I was coming down towards kind of like Johnny Fox's the pub, you know, the hill coming Glen Cullen, yeah. And uh, uh, I was looking ahead, and there was literally about a hundred meters ahead of me a huge black wolf with with red eyes looking at me, like. <laughs> but it was about the size of a horse, you know. It was a huge thing looking at me, and I was saying, Jesus Christ, that's not real, it's not real. <laughs> And he, he jumped up over the trees, like completely over the trees, about 30 meters into the air. And I, I just started speeding up, you know. I ran down the hill and I was looking behind me to see if um, he was following me. Like, so at that stage I knew, okay, it's time. I need to finish this building race. Like. That, my friends, was Owen Fenton and Paddy Rowe. And this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, what's happening? Great to see so many new listeners tune in. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. Last weekend we had our competition winners, Paddy Rowe and Owen Fenton, join us for a retreat weekend running in the Mole Mountains. So we decided to take the opportunity to do a podcast on the two ultra runners who have both ran 100 mile races. This really is just a bit of ultra banter with Paddy being only seconds from death last year after a bad accident in work, and Owen, who sees large wolves with red beady eyes chasing them during a 100 mile race. Really good company on the hills. Keep an eye out on Facebook. We might just be taking bookings for weekend running retreats in the near future. Before we start, I'd just like to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Born to Run. Their award winning winter series is back. Registration is now open. So make sure you look out for the early bird dates by logging into their website or finding them on Facebook. First race will be held in Minneburn, Belfast on the 2nd of November. There are also reduced rates for junior races, so why not make it a family affair? It's with great pleasure I give you Paddy Rowe and Owen Fenton. Sure, we might as well sit here together. Yeah, so. Oh, I don't even know your second name. Fenton. Fenton? Yeah. Where are you from originally? Uh, Cork. So, so North Cork. So how did you use to uh, a friend of ours, Carol, actually? Yeah. So I moved to Wexford about 14 years ago and then oh. Carl, my, my boss actually at work, uh, introduced me to Paddy and the Wexford Martin Club. So I was doing it all by it's myself. It's all downhill since that moment. Yeah, it's gone, it's gone seriously downhill <laughs> since then. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you were a marathon back then? Marathon yeah. runner back then? Yeah, so I started, I suppose, running marathons. I was always into sport, hurling, football, um, but I suppose I really started around 2002, 2003. Um, and my father-in-law is a big marathon runner in Germany so when I moved out there um, he basically told me okay I was a bit overweight I'll be honest back then and uh, he basically said you can join the running club if you can run 10k in an hour and it took me about a year to do that and joined and then started running marathons after that uh, Munich uh, Bad Fussing kind of a lot of marathons in Bavaria in Germany and then I came back and never been to Wexford before in my life, if I'm honest. I think once on a on a holiday or something like that. And um didn't join I should have I should have joined the running club actually when I when I arrived back to Ireland, but didn't. So kind of I suppose my uh, my training kind of suffered really. I was making friends more than I was running, let's say put it that way. And it was only about it was about five, six years after that. But I started getting back into running again. Ran Dublin a few times. Long what sort of times you run in Dublin then? Uh, 3.12. 3.12 was my yeah. fastest in Dublin. Um, and then kind of 10 years later, I suppose, um, I ran around 3.10 in Cork. So that was my last time I ran a marathon. And then after meeting this crew, running hills, didn't think hills were actually enjoyable. Uh, running trails. Um, I haven't ran a marathon since. That was back in... Probably two thousand and God, I'm trying to think now. Sixteen, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if I will go back to the, the roads again. Love to go and try and get under three hours, you know. Um, don't know will I ever do it, but uh, trail running now for me is where it's at, you know. And why? Why is it? Why do you think that? Or what makes you feel that? Like so, is it drawn to the hills? More yeah, sense of freedom. Um, sense of freedom. I love being on my own. So uh, I know I joined joined a club to be on my own, <laughs> but uh, I love that sense of um, being on your own, being out in nature, 
uh, sometimes not knowing exactly where you're going. I have a tendency to get lost quite a bit. So, uh, uh, yeah. Um, so, about that later. yeah, wouldn't be the best. <laughs> wouldn't be the best at kind of reading maps and. Um, but uh, love being on my own. Love running at night time as well. Um, really, really like being kind of the longer runs, eight, nine, ten hours on my own. I kind of actually mm. love that. What is it about the nighttime running that you enjoy? Um, for me, I think it's it's the peace of mind. Like you're literally, you only have a kind of a bubble, you know, that you can see a little bit of light ahead of you. You can't really see anything. And I think for me, you really start to think about just all the things going on in your life, um, really enjoying running, you know. Mm. You can't even see your feet half the time, you know. So it's you're kind of in a moment. And I love that you can just focus on the job you're doing. And, you know, all the distractions kind of in the world just disappear. Um, I love that darkness into light kind of thing as well in the yeah. morning. Mm, you know? best, best bit of it. Oh, absolutely love that. Um, it's a very pure sort of form of running. Yeah. Isn't it? And you're, in a way as well, because I'm so, I've got to really go on about how bad I am at direction now, but in a way at night time, you, you kind of lose track of where you are exactly, maybe. So when it is coming into the light, it's a kind of, um, you kind of take restock, you know where you are, and it's kind of like setting the reset button again, you know. Yep get a bit of food into or whatever and, and just, you know, enjoy the rest of the day. But you've had some you've really good results. Like you look at the Mullins way. Yeah. So it, I suppose I'm only trail running for two years um, and ran Morris Mullins twice now and the Wicklow way solo. Um, I've ran the, the 100 miler, the raw ultra. That's probably my longest, longest race. I've ran a 100 miler in um, New Zealand earlier this year. Um, so what, why, why do you think what's happened there then so you've come through the road running and into Swat the Mountains and you're like getting lost in that sort of sense of freedom yeah um, you've done a 100 mile race and you've done another 100 mile race is it just a bad influence of Paddy Rose sitting next <laughs> year or is it you feel that's sort of your forte or what you enjoy more so yeah I think it, like it's more than Paddy like I could list out Dougie you know Dougie <laughs> in the club really I suppose I had no intention of doing a hundred. I was kind of saying, um, you know, I'd ease, take longer to do, you know, I've, I ran like ultras, like 50, but all in the flat, 50, a hundred K before. And, you know, I started slowly, I suppose, Morris Mullins being kind of longest, longest run with a lot of elevation for me back then. And just talking to the lads, like they've done so much, way more stuff than I have, you know, and talking to Dougie one day and he was kind of going on about, uh, just why don't you why don't you give it a go like why don't you just try the 100 and it kind of just something clicked and i said sure what's the worst can happen i can just you know it's a well yeah. like uh you need a crew so my brother and my nephew were going to be there and my brother-in-law so i kind of made a decision if it all goes pear-shaped you know um i can just simply get into the car and you know go back to the start yeah. um <coughs> so i suppose the risk the risk was kind of low you know mm. um so I went for it and uh, the first hundred didn't go like it was, went really, really well. It was last December. There was a storm. Uh, Paddy knows well that night. The, savage, going over so Jouse. Raw, raw Ultra. Raw Ultra, yeah. So going over Stood Jouse. Stood up to his name, Raw. Oh, just, <clears throat> that night did. Uh, just unbelievable. Um, going over the boardwalk over Jouse, like the winds were just unbelievable. You know, there was people literally. 120 kilometer an hour winds. Yeah. There was people literally disappearing off the boardwalk into the bar, yeah, into the literally bar, into like, the darkness. Yeah, into the darkness. Yeah. Um, it was so what's of, going through your mind when you're doing that? Like, because when I was up there during the day, yeah, for some reason I was loving mm. that sort of rawness of being out in the open and getting hammered by the wind. Yeah, like I suppose what I was going through my mind getting off to the top of the house, you know, like it was. Uh, <laughs> You never, you never think of it at one point that that's this. All you're thinking of is, right, I have to get to that point. Yeah. yeah. This is hard, but no, I still have to get to that point. Yes. Yeah. You just focus on where you're going. Yeah. And like two guys, there was uh, Chris Dunn was ahead of me. So I was kind of focusing on him. And he was like leaning into the wind where, you know, I'm small. Like, so I was literally like almost running into the direction of the wind. It was so strong. So just trying to keep on the boardwalk and then getting down off the mountain and kind of geez just for about an hour or two it was a, it was a serious shock to the, the system mm -hmm. like um 
You're only 25k into it at that yeah, stage. Yeah, that's that right. Like, it's totally yeah. at the start. And do you think about that, like when you're doing a long distance race? Do you think ahead? Or do you think oh, I'm 25k or whatever, like quarter of the way through this? Do you think, Jesus, no way? When you get to the halfway point, yeah. do you start thinking, shit, there's no way I could do that again? I, w- I was kind of thinking that I based it a little bit off the Wicklow solo where I got to, like, you know, Glenn Delock or Glenn Cullen and kind of took breaks. So I kind of broke it down to small chunks, I suppose. And, like, it surprised me we were coming into Glenn Cullen and it, because I had, I assumed everyone else was going to be taking the same breaks as me, you know? So we were running a little group. And the lads weren't stopping, like, so I stopped, my brother was there, and I had something to eat, and it was kind of a mistake in a way, because it meant I was suddenly on my own, you know, um, so the lads had gone off, what I had realised was they were, they were kind of eating as they were going along, like, they had, they had way more experience, they were kind of taking it as it came, like, you know, if they needed to have food, they were going to have food, whereas I was very fixed, you know, too fixed into my routine of, okay, I'm going to stop here, I'm going to have pasta, you know, I knew exactly what I was going to do, but what I'm kind of learning now is that I have to be way more flexible, like, you know, yep. um, it's not going to always work that I want potatoes or fucking yep. pasta there, yep. like, you know. Um, it's not like running a marathon when you sort of have a fueling structure in place, yeah. like, yeah. How, how do you do a hundred mile ultra? Well, I, I wing it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like the whole lot of it is on how you're feeling, like isn't it? Yeah, totally. that's why it's good when you have your your food packed. You have a good range. Yeah, because you don't know what your appetite is going to be like. Bring every shred of clothing you have. <clears throat> bring every bit of food you have, because as I said, it's better to be looking at it than looking for it. Yeah, yeah. and if it's there, you can take it. If you don't want it, you don't want it. But. Yeah, and like you know, at that stage in in Glen Cullen, this was on the way down. I was kind of, oh, I don't really want to have pasta. Like, my brother just handed me a picnic bar, you know? Yeah. I'd say I hadn't had a picnic bar in about 10 years. <laughs> it was the best thing I ever had. Like, <laughs> And off I went, and um, I kind of got to the halfway point, and it was it was fine up, up to then, but on the way back, definitely the wheels started coming off a little bit. Like, back, I went, took a wrong turn somewhere, and ran an extra 12K, so that was... Uh, kind of came to a crossroads and the yellow man just I couldn't find the yellow man and I probably went I did find a yellow man but it wasn't you know the main route we should have been taking so I went off in a 12k loop for an hour came back to the same point and again my brother was saying where the heck are you like for they were watching the tracker of course and I was way off I had headphones in so I wasn't going near my phone and um what stage of the race was that I'm trying to think. This was oh, this was hundred and Glenmalore was a hundred k. So yeah, yeah, it was it was just before I think it was around just before Glenmalore that I I did the loop incorrectly, mm-hmm. like, and uh, so I I actually didn't know I had run like wrong, like yeah, yeah. So only for my brother telling me, I would have been happy out, like you know he should he shouldn't have told me really. What went to your head then when you got that information? Um, I was. You wouldn't have been thinking about that. You'd have been thinking about the extra twelve. It's on the end, really, yeah, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I reckon it was my best hour. Like you know, I was really enjoying it. Like you know, I was on my own. It was in the night. Um. So when he told me, I was kind of like, okay, look, I need to go. I'm not stopping here. I just need to go and try to make make up time a little bit. And then went up the hill in Glenmalore and again took the feckin' wrong um, <laughs> wrong exit. Uh, instead of going into the forest on the right, I went in on the left. And I kind of wasted um, another 20, 25 minutes in there just like arsing around <laughs> trying to find the yellow man again, you know. And uh, so at that time, I don't know, I, I did, I rang, I rang him like, and he was saying, yeah, yeah, come back, come back down, you're gone wrong, you're gone down, but you can't be that far away from the, the proper way yeah, again. Yeah. So I came down and then after that, literally every crossing I examined it like you know it wasn't <clears throat> missing a yellow man after that but after that then but I it's good in a way that you didn't find a route back to the course because if you go off the course yeah on a different route you're disqualified yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you have to come back to the yeah. part place where you went wrong and carry yeah. on from there like. yeah she so told me about hallucinating on that yeah so uh, yeah so the the day continued like <laughs> Jesus Christ I, I kept on going and <clears throat> met, met Paddy's dad along the way you know great support as well and then I was coming down towards kind of like Johnny Fox's the pub you know the hill going down Glen Cullen yeah and uh, 
uh, I was looking ahead and there was literally about 100 metres ahead of me a huge black wolf with, with red eyes looking at me. Like. <laughs> but it was about the size of a horse, you know. It was a huge thing looking at me. And I was saying, Jesus Christ, that's not real. Though. And he's like, it's not real. And he, he jumped up over the trees, like completely over the trees, about 30 metres into the air. And I, I just started speeding up, you know. I ran down the hill and I was looking behind me to see if... Um, he was following me like so at that stage i knew okay it's time i need to finish this biking race like good motivation then yeah 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 was there any point in that race because it sounds like you're a pretty driven mentally was there any point in that race you thought like what the hell am i doing here like is you know i think after the going wrong all right a little bit you know um like i was gone geez there's so many hours like this is the longest i'd ever ran before you know mm-hmm. And suddenly I realized, crap, I'm not going to be running 160k today. I'm going to be running a lot more than that. Like, so I ended up running 174k in the end. So, you know, I can do UTMB now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 172. But yeah, like to be honest with you, I think the support along the way was brilliant. You know, to see, um, like to look forward to seeing my brother, like the family turned up as well along the way, my wife and two kids. So... But I, at the end, I was absolutely finished, like, yeah. you know. How um, did you feel, though? I know you're finished, though, but it's yeah. like... Cause oh, it's, it's amazing. It is amazing, you know. um, Like, we, we stayed in the tent for about, I'd say, for about an hour. Like, did, you know, we got soup, like, warmed up the whole lot. And we drove down. Uh, my brother and my sister, they all had turned up, like, and they all headed down to Wexford for kind of... Uh, we had a bit of a party, like I was probably the, the worst person at a party ever, like lying on the couch in the front room, half comatose, like, but it, no, a huge sense of achievement. Mm-hmm. And I really, I never thought I would have been able to run that far, like. Because you hit some real low points in that race, don't you? <clears throat> yeah. You have to, like your energy, yeah. you're up and down. Yeah. And it's surprising, you sort of surprise yourself how you get through those, don't you? Yeah, or like just, just running along in the dark and coming up to a crossroads and just it was lashing rain like it was it was a terrible night <laughs> full rain gear on like i had um i had a, a buff around my neck a buff over my head like i literally had a slit i was looking through like a balaclava a ninja. um and somehow like it just seemed to be kind of the, the closer i was getting to i suppose to back to the dublin mountains and back back i was feeling good you know i ran sprinted down into columbus college and all the blisters in my feet burst at the same time, I reckon. But uh, no, it was brilliant. Brilliant. I'd love, I'd love to do something again at that time of the year. Like, I think, I think yeah. I'm more suited to the, yeah, the so bad weather. Like, yeah. um, I do suffer in the heat. I, I could never see myself running 100 miles in very hot temperature. Like, so. a, lot, a lot of people couldn't hack to 15 hours of, of dark in that race where my relish just really Yeah. Good. So we're sitting next door and we've got Paddy Rowe. That's how you can hear chirping in the corner there. Speaking <laughs> in a real smile. Um, so I first met Paddy during the Skyline last year and we were halfway up Donard. Um, Paddy was struggling for a certain reason, apart from all the miles. <laughs> a lot of reasons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and we, we started talking and um, he had told me about an accident that he had um, earlier on that year and his arm, well, he told me that he'd cut his arm clean up and my response to that was did you do that on purpose like were you, mm-hmm. <laughs> were you just trying to but tell us a little bit about what happened oh, I was just at work one day and I'm just, just I'm a carpenter by trade and I was just scraping a piece of fascia board with a Stanley blade and just had my arm in the wrong place at the wrong time and slipped and stabbed myself in the brachial artery and totally lacerated clean off everything happened then yeah so tell me a bit like, so how much blood did you lose? Like, it wasn't just a, like, a simple <clears throat> slice in your arm, like... I got 13 pints of blood altogether before before the operation, so... The body only holds eight or eight and a half, whatever, so... So during the blood transfusion, you were given 13? 13, between Wexford Hospital on the way in the ambulance up to Dublin, St. Vincent's and St. Vincent's, before the operation, I got 13 pints of blood. So. Yeah, so it was lucky your dad was there. He saved my life. He took... He, I shouted at him, like, you know... Dad, I'm after cutting myself. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll be over in a minute because we're carpenters, you kind of nick yourself every day. And I just said, no, Dad, I'm really after cutting myself. And he looked across and I was trying to hold with my hand, not to be horrible around, but it was, it was just projectile out from my fingers, kind of. 
and he come up the ladder, sprinted up the ladder, and he never even said a thing. He just took his belt off, and he nearly took my arm off, put my on like that, the belt on the top of my arm, and they, they told me like that that saved my life without a shadow of a doubt. I wouldn't have made it to Wexford Hospital, let alone Dublin, if he hadn't done that. Like so, but it wasn't like <clears throat> how long before the skyline did that happen? Fifteen weeks. Yeah, so 15 weeks. 15 weeks to the yeah. day, yeah. And I it was, I had I had uh, pulled out of Skyland the year before because we had done a 24-hour and I just wouldn't have been ready for it. Like, I've been told by a few people who knew the course saying it's not, it doesn't take any prisoners, the course doesn't. So people say, oh, it's only 35k, but it's, after doing 100 milers now and things like that, it's still, to me, is the most shocking terrain I've ever ran on anyhow. Yeah. But it just, we just relish in it. But, but that day... I said at that time I mean I was right I'm doing the Skyline this year the Skyline was I wanted to book Raw Ultra 100 I'd done the 50 mile and I said what everyone says about the Skyline that's going to be if I get through that in the 8 hours I'm going to book Raw mm-hmm. I know that sounds silly probably but if you can do a race of that magnitude in a reasonably good time you know your body is coming back normal when I met you halfway up Donard, I was kind of okay. My body is not back. And that was Donard, by the way. But like, your body mustn't have had much blood in it by the time they got you. No, they told me that I was probably down about two pints at one stage. And two pints of blood. So like, my heart was working ridiculously. How I didn't have a heart attack at that stage. They were telling me they couldn't understand it, but they said ultra running <clears throat> makes your body and your heart and everything so strong that they believed that's why I didn't. It made you well equipped, like for dealing with that. Well equipped, and, and afterwards, and healing, because your body, you're damaging your body so much when you're you're into long distance, well, and super fast running as well. Like, so your body's constantly healing all the time, mm. and it heals at a better rate than somebody who's not fit. Like when we do fifty mile race, forty mile race, fast marathons, whatever, we spend two weeks recovering, and your body's because we run so many, like twenty marathons a year, ultra marathons a year. Our body is constantly recovering. Like. Mm. So so even even training time. runs those are thirty miles, like you know, and, and so but a Sunday you're recovered. Your body's just yeah. recovering, recovering, recovering. I've never actually thought about that because that's one thing. What sort of people say about me, you know, it's amazing how quickly your body's yeah. recovering. Yeah, yeah. It never used to be like that. Yeah, yeah. But it's obviously because it's getting accustomed to yeah. that process of. I remember, as I said, I remember my first half marathon, <clears throat> and it was like yeah. three days. You were still couldn't could walk straight. And now we do hundred kilometer race, and it's like the next day we can go model on, or we can bring our kids for a walk up in the mountains, and you know, it's pretty phenomenal though. Like for your body to go down to two pints of blood, and then to go through everything it had, and you talk about it repairing. It takes a while to repair, like, but mm. and you're still repairing. Um, but f- fifteen weeks. Yeah. What was your motivation like? So I'm sure some people must have thought, well, that's it over now, you know. My wife really says stubbornness and stupidity. But, uh, <laughs> but I just, I just, I had to just get back out. The worst, just lying at home, not being able to do anything. Like maybe six weeks after it, I remember I just went for a walk one day. And 200 meters, I just felt like sitting down. I wasn't, I didn't, I, I couldn't hack that. My body was mm. at that stage after being at a hundred mile level. Only, it only happened in a week after I'd done my first hundred mile actually. <clears throat> so to be at that comfortable level and then just you can't work walk three hundred meters. Just yeah, so I, right. me I, got, I took my book out and I looked at all of the dates. And I knew I wanted to do the skyline. So I looked and I, I looked at everything and I said, Right, that's going to be my aim race now. But it was such a struggle for six about six weeks. Even simple yeah. little ten kilometer runs and I won't even say runs, half of it was walking. Mm. It was just nearly impossible and it plays with your mind like as well so as you want to say there like there's there's a an, a, men, a mental yeah sort of aspect to yeah. that it's not just physical yeah that your body's repaired like you've got yourself in such good place you've done a lot of marathons in a very short period of time you're in great fitness and it just gets taken away from you yeah now a lot of runners will relate to that just totally. from an injury point of totally. view yeah you know, no matter what yeah, it is same thing. Yeah. and that can be it can be a bit quite depressing actually for a lot of people yeah. when you can't get out because running gives a lot of people release it's our therapy and all of a sudden that where does your release come from but it's important by what it sounds like you're going out and you're doing 10k it doesn't matter how slow to then start focusing on what you can do yeah. isn't it really yeah totally 
because um, that will help you get back into that process yeah. of started building it, building that back up. So when did you start running? Because uh, that was 2018. I actually start running in 2009. I was actually getting married. It was 12 weeks before my wedding, <laughs> and I was probably between 16 and a half, 17 stone. And my wife is a beautiful little petite thing, you know. Like, and I said, oh, she's gonna look amazing in her wedding photos. I had for her. I'm gonna try my best to look a bit better you know like and I don't mean that in a horrible way but I just mean I wanted to feel good anyhow and I knew I, knew I had to lose weight he's wedding photos for life like he's wedding photos <laughs> for life yeah, yeah. but <clears throat> I started running and uh, I, I didn't I'd never had any intention of entering competitions running to me was just I just enjoyed it like and Brie came home from work one day and her best friend Tina Mann said she'd been doing a bit of running too and she said uh Tina wants to know, could you come out and have her go for a run with you? I said, oh, brilliant. Like, you know, I didn't know how much Tina ran or anything. But uh, two or three evenings later, she came out to our house and I had a little loop that I ran every day around my house, 13 kilometers. And when I got back, it was probably the second fastest time I ran it. I was like, okay, Tina's a pretty strong runner, you know, for a play. So we literally just clicked, became friends, good friends, and we started running together every day and just decided... This was probably six, seven years after now I'd start running. Like six years, anyhow, yeah. It would have been 2015. 2014, I was, sorry. And we just said one day we'll be running a half marathon. And we picked a half marathon and we ran it. Loved it. Obviously, the progression goes ahead then. Will we try a marathon? So we were in with a good bunch of people as well. Like, you know, and they were all mad into running. And, and James, been a pretty serious ultra runner, had decided to do a 24-hour. And he asked the group of his crew for him. And... That was the energy of 2015. I couldn't believe it. It was just seeing what these people can achieve was just unbelievable what they can push through. And it was just a seed sowed in my head. And I said, I don't care. My aim for the rest of my running life is to run 100 miles. And that's that. I, I just am. The energy became a real springboard for people. Yeah. You know, because there weren't a lot of people that crewed. Yeah. Just got the bug from it. It was like, unbelievable. The like, buzz that was literally there. Even thinking about it now, like the hair stand on the back of my neck, thinking about that day back in 2015 up in the Mary Peters track in Belfast. It was just total seats on in my head. I never I never wanted to do anything else like other than ultra run now. Like mm-hmm. I said, Martin's do it. I've never trained for Martin. Like I'd only 55th there. Martin's and ultra there only a few weeks ago. And I've never actually trained for Martin. Martin's to us now was just training runs for it, with the marathon aspect of it though it did it become an obsession mm. you said the bug there oh, yeah. the word it sort of bounced in my head when you said that was obsession yeah um because you start doing back-to-backs and mm. how many have you done did, i hear you say four and four and things like that maybe? no i never done four and four back-to-backs would have been most but we'd go okay like we'd pick a hundred kilometer run as a, as a trainer run building up to a everybody does like you pick a 30 kilometer run not everybody does no, not every, <laughs> yes. every ultra runner. Yeah. Every, everybody yeah. just goes yeah. out for No, no, but every yeah. ultra runner, you, you'll obviously pick an aim race yeah. to aim for a bigger race. We all do, like, but it was just, oh, I just, I'm not, I, will, I will use the word obsession because it is an obsession now. Like, you know, yeah. you have to rein it in. You really have to sit down and think about things, you know, like, because it does get out of hand. Before my accident, like, it was, it got to the point of silly the amount you were actually doing, you know. Yeah, but so you weren't thinking about it because you were enjoying it so much like you know so tell me about that then how the accent sort of changed your mindset slightly because you're running marathons week yeah. in week out weren't you well really? 100% it was just my family I realised that day like it, I was 30 seconds maybe away from from dying I did cardiac arrest but I was I came back so luckily <laughs> didn't see the light <laughs> but uh, thank god I didn't see the light but I just decided after that, like, I'm just going to have to cop on to myself. I've, I've mm-hmm. Things a billion times more important in, in my life, my wife, my two children, like, and I was, I was away too much. And I thought to myself, you know, I could have, could have died now and that was it. Like, and I, and I genuinely did. Like, I was genuinely driving to the hospital and I was, that's that. I was in the passenger seat, my father was driving his van. And I was just, that's that. Did it change your running in any form? Like, um like more appreciative or anything like that 100% as I said it got so silly and we were doing so much that it was just the next one the next one the next one the next one and it's not that I didn't enjoy when I was doing it but it was like instantly the minute was over right I have another marathon next weekend 
mm-hmm. you know, and in two weeks then I have a 60 mile race or whatever, like, and it just got to a point, now I just pick out, I've only done six this year now, and which is small for what we used to be doing, and it's just, I just enjoy it so more, I look, I look forward to the saying that the, mm-hmm. the progress in the training, like, that you can feel it's just so much more enjoyable now, because you, you're not just doing so much all the time, and I've, I've Strange. That I used to run. Like, I used to run every Saturday and every Sunday. That's the way we worked it. And I just now, it, I don't. Sunday is family day, and that's that. I bring my kids to the local junior park run. It's the highlight of my week without shadow of a doubt. Do you think that's a bit of a progression with the like, especially with those <clears> runners? <throat> almost the training becomes the thing you're doing it for. Almost like you, well, you get more enjoyment yeah. out of yeah. the training. Yeah. Almost yeah. like yeah. yeah, and that's what we were saying too. Like in, when you get up into the lakes of the mountains, which for. For me and on and the likes of us, it's just, oh, it's an epiphany up there. You just, it's amazing. Like, you realise, why do I even bother entering races? Yeah. Just being here on training day is just, you just sit there and just look out and it's just amazing. It's pure therapy, like, pure therapy. Like, a few weeks ago, we were down the Morn, Morn Mount, or in the Cummeris. Cummeris, yeah. With Paul Croke and it was just amazing. Like, again, it's only an hour away yeah. from Wexford. Never like, been there. It's literally in between where <laughs> I grew up and Wexford, you know, and I was never there before. Man Falls. Yeah. And like, you're not thinking about racing that day. It's like an adventure, you know. We were yeah. gone for hours. It's so, it's so um, technical. It's, it's similar to the morns on how, yeah. how yeah. hard it actually is. Yeah. But I think you nearly get to appreciate it more then because you're not running along five minute kilometers, four thirty kilometers, you know. It's, mm. And it's still it's still training like like I think yeah. with me and training what what I forget sometimes is rest rest actually is training as well yeah, like yeah. you know um like I definitely can admit to like I probably run twice a day for six days a week like you know so and it does become kind of obsession my wife would agree with this like so <laughs> kind I run, of kind of <laughs> yeah like you know I run at lunchtime when I can and then I run when the kids go to bed in the evenings um so. That's probably why I like the dark as well. I, I do run at night time an awful lot, just because it it seems to fit in with mm. with our family and everything. Um, but like I only race probably three times a year to be honest. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of pick pick those races. Mm. Um, I travel a lot with work as well, and if I can combine, Paddy's gonna give me stick about it now. But if I can uh, <laughs> if I can combine work travel uh, with with a race or whatever, um, I. I'm going to try and do that, you know, like, so I was in New Zealand this year and I ran a hundred miler at the end before I came back. Um, and I know not everyone gets to do that. Like, mm. so I'm going to, I'm going to try to do that and minimize, I suppose, the time I'm away racing from family. Yeah. It's and time management, really. It is. Time yeah. Management. Yeah. How did that feel doing a hundred miles on your own? Because fact, you know, yeah. when people yeah. not yeah. around you and you're coming to the finish line was, and all that good stuff. It was mad. Like, I definitely took care. <laughs> it was mad. It was mad because, um, so it was in Hanmer Springs in kind of the South Island in New Zealand. And I got the bus up there and I was on my own. I stayed in a hostel and uh, I had no way to get to the start line. So I had to, I actually had all my bags, like, you know, my tailwind made up in big drums of water and the whole lot. So I hiked out. I hiked out in the morning to where the start was, and um, two lads, Isaac and James, uh, literally they had a camper van, and they said like, "What? You're on your own? What the hell? Like you know, yeah. you kind of need a crew." Like uh, <laughs> weird Irish guys. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. but it was a loop course. So at least I said, "Look, if I'm going to be on my own, it's a it's a loop course." So there was kind of a forest section, and then you took over a mountain every time, every lap. Like how high um, was the lap? So it was about uh, just over ten k. Yeah. Okay. Um so they basically said we'll we'll start we'll pitch a tent, throw your bag in there mm-hmm. and um every every lap you can just, you know, take whatever you need. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what happened. But I suppose what being on my own was unbelievable because it meant I didn't really stop. So, you know, I'd no one to stop for, I mm-hmm. suppose. Mm-hmm. And I'd no family like my Ali and the kids usually turn up, like, you know, um, so there, I, I had nothing to look forward to like that. So all I wanted to do was just focus on the race um, and fill up my tailwind every lap or whatever into my bottle and um, off I go again. So I didn't have any food. I didn't have any cooked food or anything. It was just pure liquid like calories the whole time. And 
like it shaved it was it's my fastest hundred miler i've only done two like so it was faster than the first one but i, I didn't i didn't go, I didn't go yeah two. yeah i couldn't get lost which is a brilliant thing like you know so um I, that's what i figured like you can't get lost on a loop course so that's going to be an advantage for you <laughs> oh and you're going the wrong way yeah right. yeah horse size black wolf oh, going yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so watch out for the wolf yeah. no it was good experience like and it was amazing like what really really was amazing was that when people realize you are on your own actually it was like everyone just helped me out you know Brilliant. um like during the night, um, it was cold, so it was their their winter was just starting really, I suppose. So there was snow on the top of the mountain, like, um, and during the night I had to put on my um, my kind of my long pants and my top, and my hands were like shaking, so I couldn't tie the fucking zip on my uh, my top, and like this guy just there, he did it for me, you know, um, uh, and after the race. Like there was this um, local guy there, he turned the ignition in the car, put the heating on, just lifted me up, put me into the front seat of his car and he said, go for a sleep, you know, because yeah. there was no one there. So um, and then he woke me up like and uh, I hiked back into town about two hours later and uh, stayed in a hostel and we all met up. A lot of the runners stayed up. It's um, Hanmer Springs, so there's a spring area there and whatever. So an awful lot of the, the runners kind of met there the next day after sleeping like for mm-hmm. 12 hours or whatever. And that was that was brilliant, like, you know. Because there seems to be like with the marshals, etc. when you go to those yeah. longer distance, there's a le- that level of respect. They all understand. They do like... They've seen us, they've yeah. done it one or the other and they just know yeah. that you you nearly need to be babied there for, for parts of it, so... Yeah. They, they want to give you as much as possible. What, what do you need? Yeah. What is it you need? Yes, they yeah. really, they really know. Are, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like this is this is pain tough. The like, suffering yeah. you're going through. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. So you done a race in? Was it Thailand? Was it? Or? Yeah. Well, I went on. This was two years ago. So when I turned forty, I'm interested in the water story. By yeah, me. that's where I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, when when uh, when I was when I turned forty, um, I wanted to go to a running retreat. So. Um, my wife found this one in Chiang Mai in Thailand, in North Thailand, and it was organized by uh, Harry Jones. He's a, a Welsh runner, but he lives out in Thailand. And Sage, you know, Sage Canada was there and Sandy Nypaver. So they were the big draw there. So we went there. It was we arrived. I was there again on my own. So I arrived and they've a they've kind of a trail running um, shop called Base Camp in Chiang Mai. And like there was like in Sage Canada and you know, we went in, everyone met, all the local runners were invited for free. And um, then we went running, went running in the different trails. And then we went off for about four days, like every day running with like in Sage Canada, um, up hills. Like you could basically ask them anything like, you yeah. know. Um, and then we, we were eating all plant-based foods and whatever. So um, like I'd never tried anything like that before, like, you know, um, so kept it up since then how did you find your energy levels then when you were so moving yeah like i it took a while to adjust to it like my my wife is vegetarian since she was 14 so at home it didn't really change like i was just kind of kind of eating what she was eating really you know Mm -hmm. um but i did like weight wise for me um i definitely lost weight since Mm -hmm. since then like probably february 2018 um that's when i started with the you know the Imra races and stuff like that, I've definitely lost I don't know how much but ten kilos maybe since then, mm-hmm. um and I've managed to keep it off between I suppose I'm training a lot as well but it's kind of I just don't eat meat you know um mm-hmm. that's basically it I, nothing else has changed really. So what about um the story you were telling me yesterday was we calling up there. yeah yeah so that was in uh, so again away with work and Paddy's going to give me more stick about this now <laughs> but uh, I was in Hong Kong and from that retreat there was a lot of people from Hong Kong that had been in Chiang Mai and they were on about Lantau Island um and there's an ultra there the Lantau one hundred or whatever so I got the the ferry across to the island and just wanted to run the route myself you know and was totally unprepared like the again i'm not good in the heat and uh it's very humid and i had enough water i thought like so i went off climbed lantau peak and climbed sunset peak and then i realized i had no water and i was dying my hands were starting to swell up 
uh, electrolytes were a bit low like so and I really really could see a kind of a picnic area down down below so I got down and I said here it goes if I don't have water I'm going to get in trouble like so I emptied out all the bins out all the bottles out poured all the ends of the bottles like into my bottle making about a half a litre oh. uh, and drank it down like and that's that's it definitely saved me like and I was laughing to myself then for the rest of the day going geez I'm gonna start twitching here in a minute or something like you know start growing an extra arm or something but you do do your mind does do what it has oh, yeah. to do to yeah. survive yeah. Like, you do what you need to do yeah yeah the seed was planted to do your first 100 mile race where was that uh, up in Energia 2015 on the Mary Peters track. I know where the is that where you done the first one? No, I'd done my first one. Oh, my yeah. first one was in uh, Energy again, but it was uh, 20, 2018. Okay, was, yeah. So, so the focus was the build up to that, like, yeah, I was always that was before the accident, that was six days before the accident, yeah. Okay, six days before it, and I was just, I. I I'm a slow builder. I like this thing. I don't think any. I think anybody who jumps into big, big distances within yeah. six months or a year, they end up getting injured, and that's it. They never do them again. Like and that's why I think we're we're so comfortable to run big distances now because it took me what, eight, eight years of running, nine years of running mm. to get up to that level, and it was just slowly. I, I'd never jump from a, a marathon to a even a forty miler. I had to do a fifty k first. You really have to learn mentally, don't totally you? Totally like, mentally. It's, I, I, I truly, truly believe that any form of running at a high enough level is 60% mm -hmm. mental, 40% your actual physical fitness. I'm it's, actually excited where I'm at now yeah. because of how mentally I'm approaching the races differently. Totally. Which I wasn't, I don't know if somebody can tell you that or teach you that. You just have to build that up yeah. and try and learn yeah. it and understand it. You have to reflect and understand. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, if I'm going slow, it used to be like, oh no, I'm slowing down here. But now it's not, no, your body needs to go slow, so let it go slow, it and then it picks up, and yeah. it's fast, it's by accepting what's going on. Like, So it is important, I think you're right in what you're saying there, you know, to gradually build that up, yeah. to even mentally prepare yourself yeah. Yeah. as much as physically. So how was it everything you dreamed of then? Your first 100 mile race? <laughs> the finish line was. <laughs> the first 90 miles, I was um, with a really good friend of mine, a guy who's we all know now and he's just Paul Duggan is his name he's a similar mentality to ultra running as we do and it's just you want to do it go and do it don't pardon language pussyfoot around it like just just if you want to do it do it like. mm. and when I met him it was just will we do this yep will we do this yep will we do this and it's like we're of a very similar level as well so it's great for training and we only live down the road from each other as well so we trained a lot together and we ran that race together every step we had a plan in our head, we're not going to stop. The only time we're going to stop is if we need a bit of physio or something. And any food, we're going to eat under the... We're going to walk when we're eating or drinking. And even when we were having physio, it was on a mile loop in the Victoria Park. And I'd go in for physio and he'd go, go ahead on the loop. And when he'd come around, he'd go in for physio and I'd have been gone. So again, I'd come back around, we'll join again. And some people like on have this have a mental strength mm -hmm. to and problems as well to do these on their own i've never done one on my own yet so i don't know i'm always with somebody at some point of it like and i'd be feeling good i'll spur them on if they're feeling good they'll spur me on because i love chasing that's the, i love chasing people i love being with somebody stronger than me i always do my best best times and things because I, I'm, I'm i love chasing people but that day at I remember saying to him 90 miles, like, oh my God, like, it was only about 20 hours in, like, and I was saying, we're going to smash a hundred mile here today, like, you know, easy peasy. 94 miles, I just couldn't believe how good we felt, like, you know, feet were obviously, you're in pain, like, but you're just, you know, you're so close to what you set your target at. I had 95 miles, only one mile later, it was just like someone had punched me clean in the stomach. And <laughs> that five miles took, I think, close on two hours. I think one of them miles was 37 minutes. But it was just, I wouldn't have cared. I said to myself that day, I don't care if I can never run again. I don't care if I can never walk again. I'm not going home without 100 miles. Because the year before, I had done 152K in Listowel, 24 hour. My target, 161, obviously. And it was just, you're going home so disappointed getting so close to your target, you know? 
Well, there's one person I know who hit 98 miles. Yeah, I know someone so who hit 99. And you, wow. People yeah. think, yeah. but it just goes to show what, how it can go wrong. Yeah. Because it's only one more mile. Yeah. yeah. You've done 99 of these. You've worked so hard. Yeah, as we're saying, this is a 24-hour race, so you have to do it 100 in yeah. the 24. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like if it was just a 100-mile yeah. race, yeah. you could have any amount of time, so you're, it's okay that way. Like, But... Agonizing that. It's kind uh, of a holy grail to ultra runners to get that 100 mile into 24 hours or 100k yeah. in 12 hours. Pardon me, sorry. So once you do do it, it was like because I, I failed before the year before. Once I failed, but to me, I, I didn't hit my target. I didn't care how much pain I was in. Once I got to 100 miles, I bawled my eyes out. I was my wife. And I was, I'm not going to, I'm not afraid to admit it. I was so happy that something I just. Oh, the hairs on the back of my neck stand up even thinking about it. Like mm-hmm. a, a dream to me was to be in the hundred mile club. That's to get the hundred miles, and even now talking about it, like I just, I love it. I absolutely just love it. Like, and I just love other people doing it. And I said, my friend Paul's after he done four last year, four hundred milers in one year. Like it's crazy yeah. stuff. Like you know, so big, big Sean Nickel there. He's eating hundred mile race. He's mm-hmm. got an obsession with hundred mile races. Yeah, yeah. He's eating them for breakfast. Yeah, yeah. So he's like, <laughs> but it, that's what we're saying is that. Yeah. It's such a hard thing, but when you do it, and then we went to the likes of the Wicklow, the Raw 100, which is on a different level of hard, because you're adding 6,000 metres and climbing into it in the middle of winter. Well, that's, what I was gonna, that's the next thing I was going to say there, was like, <coughs> that was the second time I had met you. Yeah. Um, after being up Donard, or is it Donard? Donard. Donard. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, we met you in the Wicklow way. I was doing the 50, you were doing the 100, and... Like again, it was only four, five, six months after your accident. Like that was a huge undertaking. Mm-hmm. It's different than running a one mile sort of flat course. It's 20, 20 weeks to the day from the accident to the start line of that race. Yeah. And I actually, one of the guys running, a good friend of ours, Rolando Spinas, he's in. He's an actual A&E nurse in Vincent's in the hospital I was in. And when he seen me at the start line, he, he came over and he was like, Paddy, are you, are you crewing for Paul? Like, you know? And I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm running it. And he just couldn't believe it. He was—he thought I was just crazy. Like, was like your body is not, your body's not going to get through that. Like, you know, that's soon after such a, a big accident. So this at, is se- at seventy miles, I did believe him. I was like, oh, yeah. I, maybe I'm not ready for this. Yeah, so. but it's a totally different thing, wasn't it? Like, oh you know, God. it's like we were tracking these guys the night before, like, and it was blowing hurricane outside. It was lashing down with rain. Yeah. Um, you could see people through the course struggling just by watching the tracker yeah. and how tough it was out yeah. there and some really really good races runners like really dropped off at the back yeah, yeah. yeah. you're like wow that, them guys are hurting out there already yeah. and hadn't yeah. even got to the halfway yeah. point and how was that experience for you because I met you at miles 70 miles 70k oh, it's oh, it's about 70 miles but no it's about 140 about 140 miles from that, or 140 kilometers, yeah. I mean. Right, okay. Yeah, so it's well on, like heading for 90 miles at that stage. But you seem to be in good st- step when I met you, like. Uh, uh, Pier Gate is at 131 kilometers, and it's at the foot of Jouse when you start climbing Jouse. And at that point, I, in my head, I realized, okay, I came back too soon. I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. And I was going to pull out there. And I knew if I could get over Jouse and down into Crone, and I knew it was going to, I knew how windy it was going to be up on Jails because we'd been over hours and hours before in the dark. So I said, if I, right, if I can get into Crone, you're only 21 kilometers then from, from home. You're at 141 kilometers in Crone. But I knew if I get to there, I said, there's no way in hell. I'll crawl on my hands and knees. And it was a, it was a 36 hour cut off in the race. And we were, we were there at 20, about 25 hours, I think. So it was only 20k to go. So I said, right. I can't do 20k in, in that amount of time it, it's past the point of any form you don't care about time then it's just yeah. finishing I don't all my it's, aim is just finishing and it's hard to because when you hit that low point if you've got anything that your mind can use against yeah. you as a weakness like I have things I do before in a race that I have to do that week yeah. which have no significance to the race whatsoever um, but if I haven't done them my head use that eyes oh, you shouldn't have eaten that yeah. shit like yeah. you shouldn't have went on yeah. the beer last oh, weekend yeah, you know yeah. you haven't slept probably this yeah. week it's all bullshit like but all those things are ammo 100 your mind oh, so yeah. your mind as i said it's 40 percent your physical fitness you, you had a huge thing 20 weeks ago mm. you were gonna have to 
the hard it might be better if you're prepared in your mind to yeah. think, well, I'm going to face this, yeah. this point in the race yeah. that that's going to come to me saying, you know, when I'm the really... Big, yeah. The biggest thing in my head was, I remember when I came out of hospital saying to myself, right, my life's going to change now. I'm putting more time into my family. And when it, it gets really tough then in the race, it was like, so I'm basically doing it again now. Yeah. I'm, I'm here dying a death. Like, <laughs> my poor wife was at home probably thinking I'm, I'm on the brink of having a heart attack. And she was... She had came up then in the latter stages. My dad was crewing for me and then my wife had come up later on. And they could they can see the pain you're in. Like you're trying your living best not to show them. <laughs> and because I knew she was worried as well, like and I said, oh, I'm putting her through it again. What am I doing? Like and that was in my head, no, get it out of your head, you're here now. If you let that stew in your brain, that's it, you're finished. You're not gonna make it home unless that So I said, Right, put everything I can to the back of my head and put the pain in your legs to the back of your head, put the pain in your feet. Yeah. Your sick stomach, your everything, just put it to the back of your head. Don't think of the weather. Don't think of anything. And it's lucky in a way because you meet when we met you. You get that you're such a positive person yourself. You get that G up then mm-hmm. for the two or three minutes of a conversation. And Tina, our friend, was doing the fifty miler, and uh, our another friend Lorraine was doing the fifty miler. Unluckily, she had to pull out. Uh, just had a, a dicky day, as we say. But Tina felt really good at the end, and her energy at the end then spurred us on again. You know. So they were just the little things you need. We knew we were kind of a little community now. We all know each other as well. So in these races, and everyone knows how everyone's hurting. So yeah. I think that's that's important for people to recognise as well. I've talked about this in the podcast before. During that race, I was feeling really sorry for myself. It was my first hundred k race as well. I was it on the second anyway? But um, and I was sort of moaning a bit through the race, mm, just feeling yeah. sorry for myself. And I met this guy who was over sixty. He was doing the race. And such a character, he's so full of energy. And I don't know what stage it was, like 40 miles into the race. And I, he goes, how are you doing? I goes, ah, oh, you know, just getting through it. And he's like, what are you talking about? She was, isn't it amazing that we were able to do this? Like, isn't it yeah. brilliant? Look where we're at. This yeah. looks class. And he totally changed my race, that interaction with that guy for like two or three minutes. And in my mind then, because I realized I started carrying everybody else's burden. But, you know, when you're meeting negative people, yeah. Then you were starting picking oh, yeah. up that up. Yeah. And I thought to myself, I want to be that person. Mm. You know, and when you you can very easily draw people energy away from people. Mm. But in a long distance race, you need to be mindful that the difference you can make to the other person. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? You can just yeah. pick them up just like that. Yeah. That one minute conversation in any race, to be honest, like 20 yeah. miles into a marathon. Mm. No, you're looking really good. Your form is great. Like, yeah, yeah. It's important to be positive on course because it keeps yeah. you positive. I always say as well, say hello to everyone. You say know, hello to everybody. Like say hello to everyone, wave to everyone. And it really gives you energy. You know, their mm. energy is passed over to you. Um, and a lot like, again, I think realizing as well, you know, like that. When you're, I'm not like up at the elite side of the race. Like I'm there somewhere in the middle. Like you know, mm-hmm. I go in. You're and, a lot higher in the middle. Uh, yeah. uh, but <laughs> but, it's for me. It's about like I'm racing myself. You know, and I'm there, especially in the ultra. I think you have the time, to learn from other people. Like you're constantly so, learning from everyone around yeah. you. Like, and that's from the start. So everyone's at yeah. the start together. So you're learning from everyone in the race. How they, you know, how they turn up to the start. Yeah. How they distract their mind um then in the race you know it forms into groups and somewhere along the line you're probably on your own like or whatever but um so for me it's not like that's why in marathons i always felt you know i was constantly under distress for the time you know it was like i was you know and the guy in front of you or behind me there was there was no time to talk Mm -hmm. you know yeah so you're you're constantly looking at your watch okay my splits my splits my splits and um Whereas I feel in trails, especially the longer races, you have the time to, yeah. to just to, it's all about learning for me, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm trying to do it more efficiently. That's, that's what I think. Like, I don't think I'm going to get faster physically, getting older, so definitely not. <laughs> but I think uh, from an efficiency point of view, like taking, going from raw to the New Zealand Tundra Miler, mm. I shaved off hours simply because I wasn't like sitting down eating a full meal, I realise I don't actually need to do that. Maybe yeah. I will the next time, you know. But um, moving on and just enjoying it more, I think. It's, just, it's, it's a path of discovery, it, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. It's a path of, path of growth. Yeah. 
and learning and as you say that you've got time to do those things and that's a big part of the actual race that draws you into that isn't it mm. whereas as you are right in the marathon and you do do it through your training in the marathon yeah. and things like that yeah. when you've got a bit more time to do that and but you're so focused and you're hanging on to the person in front and you're going to keep him there but but in the an ultra race yeah there's so many things that are coming that you don't expect all the common times when you're not expecting them yeah. and how you react to those and learn to move through those is a big part of ultra running isn't it yeah totally. yeah it's very an, an innate experience as well yeah when we, we set up our club in 2016 uh, Wexford Martin Club and it was like when we put it to the county board what we were wanting to, the club to be from the long distance club and the people setting up the club us like we were ultra ultra run is what we wanted the focus to be like our our county would be big on cross country running and 10 5 10k road racing but they couldn't get into their heads a lot of them why 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 in god's name would anyone want to run 100 kilometers or 100 miles or 200 kilometers they couldn't fathom it like and with horses for courses like you know that's what we want to do i don't i i i do be talking to people uh, one guy down, very humble guy, like he's uh, the roads and cross country secretary down in Wexford, Paul Gibbons is his name. And he's a 34, 35 minute 10k runner, extremely good runner. like. And he likes, how in God's name do you do what you do? And I'm like, yeah, but how, how in God's name do you do what you do? Give me 10,000 euros and I couldn't run a 35 minute 10k. <laughs> yeah. In my wildest dreams, like, so it's, it's all relative. Like, it's what your brain and body is will focus on that's what you want to do and <laughs> you love it like that's why I let people say like oh this person is better than that person because they're faster or they can run further it's in no way I don't believe that anyway we've got sub 3 hour runners in the club and we've got 6 hour man runners in the club and to me the 6 hour man runners are just as good as the 3 hour man runners in my eyes like it's no difference you're doing what you want to do still 26.2 miles oh, yeah. What way yeah no it's a bit of a cliche when people yeah. say that like it's, it's a mile is a mile like but if someone runs a PB that's five hours and someone runs a PB that's three hours, they work the exact same amount. Mm. So one person can cover that determined distance a bit faster. Well, it's where, you're, it's where your starting point is, isn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? You, you struggle. Everybody struggles different. Yeah, totally. And, it always... and actually, sorry to be in on you. A friend of mine, James Whitty, he one of the guys who helped set up the club, and all, he said to me when they were climbing a hill, and now I, I had only start running at the time on the hills, <clears throat> I said to him at the top of the hill, like, how are you able to get the top of this hill so easy? Like, and we're all, like, you know, dead on our feet. He said, no, I'm struggling the exact same as you. He says, I'm just struggling a bit faster. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, said, like, you good. know. Nice way. And, and I've brought, like, I still that in my head. And I've, gave, I've said that yeah. quote to loads of people, yeah. like, that. You'd be, be only starting and they'd be a bit nervous, like, coming in, like, are we going to be able to run with you? You know, he said, it doesn't matter. Like, everyone struggles the exact same. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that like two months down the road and that person that was struggling who was you isn't struggling as much on the same thing. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a great feeling when you go back to you, that climb yeah, and all yeah. of a sudden you can feel the shift yeah, in your yeah. strength yeah. and you're still struggling yeah. as much as you were yeah. <laughs> the yeah. first time. Yeah. You're just stronger and maybe quicker. Like the struggle doesn't move. So you're both drawn to these long sort of distance races um you were talking about chamonix yeah that's it's it's a holy grail for oh, ultra yeah. runners it's one of the holy grails some of the big races in america but chamonix is just everybody who knows mountain running just chamonix is like i gotta get there you yeah. have to get there the world cup of running the world cup of running yeah. the world cup of yeah. running yeah. Yeah. So you, put, you put an entry in last year yeah we put, put an entry in we didn't we didn't get in which race so uh, for TDS. It was for TDS. Yeah. <clears throat> but it was actually a shorter distance back then. They changed it now. <laughs> it not not to, like, yeah. everybody knows how tough the terrain is up there. So we said, oh, maybe we'll start with one of the smaller ones. We won't jump straight into UTMB. Yeah. 170 plus kilometer race. Was able to go. It was 119 kilometers the TDS was at that stage. And I'm sure it's gone up to 147 kilometers now. Yeah. Which, don't mind, we'll, we'll give it a go either way. Like, But nice. once you're in the system, you have to stay in the system. That's it. So there's, there's four of us in the group. Yeah. So Carl, Dougie, Paddy, and myself, and 
the reason why we went for TDS was I think the stats were more favorable <laughs> to get into TDS, you know. Yeah. Uh, it was harder to get into CCC and we, you know, probably yeah. didn't have enough points for UTMB at that stage. But it's definitely become probably one of the harder of the races out there now. Mm, yeah. So we're going to have to do a lot of hit repeats. We're going to have to work hard. Yeah. Back up to the morns, I think. <laughs> yeah, <you're> yeah. <laughs> so you have, um, you've entered once. The second time you enter, you get a coefficient of two. Nobody got in at your group the no, first time? No. The way no. the group works, one of them get in, the four of them get in. Yeah. Was that right? That's yeah. how it works, yeah. That's why we entered as a group. So the idea, We thought it was going to be. Yeah. The idea then is we we can travel all together, you know, instead yeah. of Paddy getting it on his own, he has yeah. to go off on his own. So I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. That's yeah. Um, so we're gonna so it still works coefficient the two then I'm sure assuming it does it does yeah yeah, yeah. okay and then third yeah. the rules have now changed yeah. for entry but if you've already started that yeah. process like a year we'll ago automatically yeah worst case scenario we'll get in next year if we don't yeah. or 2021 I mean yeah if we don't get in in 2020 yeah. so. so we're actually sitting in my mum's house here at the minute we've got Paddy and Owen who actually won our competition on the Inspiration Runner podcast group page. Um, to get a tour in the Mons. So yesterday we sort of ventured up into the Mons. It was Owen's first time. Very first time, yeah. And um, Paddy had obviously done the Garmin Skyline, but it was his first time seeing the Mons because it was totally <laughs> fogged over. <laughs> Couldn't see time. anything. Couldn't yeah. see anything last time. So what was your impressions of? Uh, blew me away. Like um, it was very similar in a way to the we were on about the Comores a few weeks ago. Yeah, you know, very similar. To epic proportions. You know. Um, Serious amount of climbing yesterday, like very but steep, you know, along the walls. Um, yeah. And again, like I've only heard about the Morns from the lads and just what I know from the internet. Mm. But like the the amount of those, those walls are so impressive. Like the amount of work gone yeah. into building, maintaining yeah. that network. Um, and like, again, we were we were probably looking at the harder skyline parts yesterday. Yeah. We didn't go up them. I can only imagine what it what it would be like in a race to go yeah. up those yeah. last yeah. two. We or did. Three we went times. up Binion, um, Wee Binion, Steve, Steve Glock, yeah, Muck, and came across to the Brandy Path yeah. then. So you're going right through the heart there, yeah. You know, and it's around the reservoirs and oh, it's like yesterday was beautiful, beautiful clear skies. Binion was one of the most amazing everything. mountains I've ever seen. To be honest, yeah. yeah. So I actually had what type of day do you call it? Uh, dicky day a dicky day <laughs> dicky yesterday day. I had no energy going up the mountains my stomach still was a bit upset whatever um, so these guys stole my money <laughs> they left me on the branding pads and they all ran to O'Hare's and by the time I got down there they were sipping on just finishing their first pint of Guinness <laughs> I think it was our third round uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but we came we came home then and um, they're staying at my mum's hostel house which is Klondike guest house I'm across from Master and Kill Kill, and you got spoiled there. Oh, absolutely Amazing. spoiled! Amazing food, my steak god! Steak dinner, couldn't believe it. <laughs> you, you had a steak. I you had a steak dinner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> An amazing dessert, like oh, so yeah. You were, and I was cream. spoiled for being here oh, as well, man. like. And then we headed up to Strava for what's the Guinness like? Fantastic, fantastic, good Guinness, absolutely yeah. beautiful. We went out for a few beers. It was, oh, it was absolutely brilliant so, music. Great all round weekend. Absolutely, oh, honest absolutely. to God. Thank you. You have, something, yeah, you have something going here if you want to, to be honest with you. Next week, what are you doing? Uh, Eco Trail, uh, 80 kilometer race in starting in uh, Bray. Bray. Running out along uh, over Bray Head, Sugarloaf, and out doing does a bit of the Wicklow Way down around uh, uh, Blessington Reservoir, yeah. and then turns and comes back. So We didn't want yesterday to be too hardcore in there, so <laughs> we're kind of happy we didn't go over some yeah. of the skyline hills. Yeah. The weekend before the, the week, seven, seven days before an eight kilometer race. But. That's excellent. Guys, thanks very much. Enjoy your race next thanks weekend. For the weekend. Thanks, 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 thanks for having me come back up again. Yeah. I look forward to it. Cheers. As I said at the start of the podcast, this is just a few ultra runners having the banner. It's a superb weekend. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.